to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. We trust that you will enjoy today's message and that it will encourage you to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ our Savior. Just the, the sort of falling part, uh, falling on, on what I shared this morning. <clears throat> it's a, it's a, quite a portion of scripture that I want to read, quite a few verses. So just sit back and relax and listen to it and try and sort of um, experience the flow of the story as, um, as you hear it. I'm reading from the ESV. It's Joshua 4 from verse 15. It says, And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priest bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest, Come up out of the Jordan. And when the priest bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord came up out of, uh, from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the, piece, the priest's feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all their banks as before. And the people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month. And just by the way, the reason they mentioned the date, the 10th day of the first month, is um, previously, well, 40 years before that, they'd come out of Egypt. And on the 10th day of the first month, they had chosen the Passover lamb that would be slain for the for the celebration of the Passover. So, them, uh, you know, the writer of Joshua mentioning that date means that you can sort of see he's aiming towards the Passover. Um, so the, uh, the people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers... In times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord, your God, dried up the waters of the, of the Jordan for you until you passed over. As the Lord, your God, did, for, uh, did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, and you may fear the Lord your God forever. As soon as the kings of the Amorites, who were beyond the Jordan on the west, to the west, and all the kings of the Canaanites, who were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over, their hearts melt and melted, and, they, and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel." At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeath Haraloth. And this is the reason why uh, Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Though all the people who had come out of had come out, had been circumcised. Yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. And the Lord swore to them that, they would not, that He would not let them see the land 
that the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give to us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So it was their children whom he raised up in their place that Joshua circumcised. For they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. When the, circumc- when the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in, the place, in, the, uh, in their place in the camp until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name um, of that place is called Gilgal to this day. While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. And the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate the fruit of the land of Canaan. You know, one of the problems that we often face as modern people is we read all these wonderful stories in the Bible and we we wonder to ourselves, okay, that's a very interesting story, that's a very nice story, it tells us a lot about God, but what does it mean to us? How does it apply to us? How does it connect with, how do we connect with it? Is it just their story that we can learn principles from? If it's only their story that we can learn from and we can try and imitate their faith, their good works and so on. I mean, um, none of us always get that right. I mean, we, we need more than just, to, just a, a nice story to imitate. We, we need something, something more fundamental. And this story actually answers that challenge. It says um, in, in one of the verses, uh, when your children ask the fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let the children know Israel passed over the Jordan on dry ground for the Lord your God uh, dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea which he dried up for us until we passed over so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Now, notice the interesting thing there. <clears throat> it's talking about, on the one hand, the Israelites passing through the Jordan, and then they build the memorial of the, of the 12 stones, and then when their children ask, you know, what are these stones? What, what do they mean? That st- those stones, those memorial stones, are a sign of the children's, listen to this, of the children's, participation in crossing over the Jordan. Part of what they're supposed to say is, the Lord your God dried up the Jordan River for you. And you crossed over it just like when we came out of Egypt, when He dried up the Red Sea and we crossed over. Can you you see that? Every coming generation experiences the Exodus again. Every coming generation are participants in the Exodus. Can you see that? I mean, that's the same thing that Moses said. When you, when you, so, when you celebrate the Exodus, don't say the Lord opened the Red Sea or the Lord um, struck Pharaoh with plagues and 
delivered our forefathers. You're supposed to say, the Lord struck Egypt and Pharaoh with plagues and delivered us from his hand. Because here's the thing. Even though it was historical Egypt that was under historical slavery under Pharaoh in Egypt, every new generation is oppressed. Every new generation is captive to something. Every new generation is a slave to something. Every new generation has its own Pharaoh over it. Every new generation has its own slavery and bondage that it needs to be delivered of. And therefore, when we celebrate the crossing over the Jordan, when we celebrate the coming out of Egypt by the Passover, every new generation says, this is what the Lord did for us. Not what the Lord did for our forefathers. This is what the Lord did for us. In other words, what that means is that that the Lord has set up history in such a way that by, by building a memorial, whether it be the memorial stones that came out of the Jordan or whether it be the memorial meal of the Passover, God has set up history in such a way that when we partake of the memorial, we partake of the actual event. So that their story becomes our story. Their history becomes our story. <clears throat> so that we can say, it might not have been in exactly the same way historically as the Israelites, but the Lord, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, brought us out of Egypt, out of our Egypt, out of our house of bondage. And He set us free. And that is why we celebrate this Passover. That is why this memorial heap of rocks still stands here. And isn't that amazing that, that God has made it in, in such a way that we can actually partake of what He did, the mighty works He did in history. History is not just history to us. If you're a Christian, history is not just history to you. History is your story. History is something you participate in. That's amazing. That's powerful. And that is how we experience our freedom, just like they did, by participating in what God did for them, when God does it for us as well. But here's the thing. <clears throat> they, they did that. Um, you know, they said, build that, that heap of stones, make that memorial, um, celebrate it, and when your kids ask, explain it to them in that way, as though they were part of it. But then he goes on, and he says, just after that, okay, make some flint knives and circumcise this generation. Because here's the thing, the previous generation, 14, well, 38 years before, had come to the edge of the Jordan. Remember the spies, the 10, 12 spies got there, sent in, one from each tribe. They got sent in for 40 days. They came out, 10 brought a bad report, 2, Joshua and Caleb, brought a good report. The people believed the bad report and God said, because you didn't obey me and go in and take the land, because you didn't trust me that if I command something to you, I will through my grace make provision for you to do it. You will not enter the land. Because you, you know what grace is? You know what grace is? 
I mean, there's a lot of talk about grace, and grace is a massive thing in the Bible, a very important subject in the Bible. But what is grace? What is grace? Grace is the means by which God creates what He commands. Grace is the means by which God creates what He commands. And if God commands you to conquer the promised land, then He will create in you the heart of a warrior. And even if there are giants that you have to face, He will turn you, He will, by His grace, create what He commands. He commands a mighty army to go and conquer a promised land, and by His grace He will create it. But those, that generation didn't believe it. And they wandered for 40 years in the desert, one, day, one year for each day that the spies spent in the promised land. And they didn't enter the promised land. All of them died. But here's the thing. That generation was so hard-hearted and so disobedient to the Lord that even though they were all circumcised when they came out of Egypt before, they, um, before God instituted the Passover, because here's the thing, no one was allowed to, to celebrate the Passover without being circumcised. Only a circumcised person could partake of the Passover. Even though they had been circumcised before they celebrated the first Passover, they never circumcised their children. For those 40 years in the desert, that disobedient generation neglected to circumcise their offspring. And that's why God commands Joshua before, you know, he mentions the 10th day of the first month when the Passover lamb was chosen. So you can see the Passover is coming, but before the Passover comes, he commands Joshua, circumcise them. Get some flint knives, circumcise this whole nation. Because none of them had been circumcised in the in the desert. And before they could celebrate the Passover, they had to be circumcised. Here's the thing. Follow my reasoning now and follow the reasoning of the book of Joshua here. We can, through the Passover, participate in what God did in history. And it's through the Passover, through that memorial meal, that we participate. But not just anyone can partake of the Passover. Only someone who is circumcised can partake of the Passover. And here's the thing. One man circumcised all of them. It says so. Joshua, did you see it? Twice in that, in that passage, it says that Joshua circumcised all of them. Remember what I said this morning? The, the name Joshua is the Hebrew form of the Greek Jesus which we translate Jesus. So Joshua is a type of Jesus. And here's the thing, we cannot partake of the Passover. In other words, we cannot experience the exodus where God brings us with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm out from under our slavery to sin and into His promised land. We cannot experience that exodus journey unless we are circumcised. We cannot enter the promised land. We cannot receive our inheritance, what God has promised for us, unless we are circumcised. And not just circumcised by anyone, but under the new covenant, circumcised by Jesus himself. I just want to read you two, two scriptures just to confirm that. Um, in Colossians chapter 2, In uh, verse 11, it says, In Him, that's in Jesus, 
In him also you were circumcised with a circumcised made, circumcision made without hands. In other words, where Joshua is commanded to make flint knives and be circumcised, for, for the people to be circumcised physically, and obviously it was only the males who were circumcised, okay, in, in those days, physically circumcised. Here, a few changes in the new covenant happens. Number one, this circumcision is made, is done in Christ, and it's done without hands. Men, aren't we thankful for that? <laughs> we are very thankful that that principle has been spiritualized. <clears throat> but because it's spiritualized, it now also applies not only to men, but to women, to everyone who is in Christ. Okay? In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. What is the circumcision of Christ? The circumcision that Christ does. Just like Joshua did the circumcision there to the whole nation, so Christ circumcises the whole nation of the new covenant. Having been buried with him in baptism, and just by the way, that baptism is not water baptism. Okay? If the circumcision is a circumcision made without hands, then the baptism is also a baptism made without hands. Okay? It's not a physical baptism. It's a spiritual baptism having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Now, what is that circumcision of Christ? What is that circumcision done without hands? There's one other scripture that actually tells us in... Uh, just make sure I get the, the text right here. In Romans 2. Let me just go there. Romans 2, I'm just going to read from verse 28, but 20, verse 29 is the important one. It says, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. Can you see it's talking about the same circumcision it was talking about in, in Colossians? A circumcision done without hands, a circumcision that's not outward and physical. And he's contrasting Jews who are Jews outwardly, and physically, because they've been physically circumcised. He says, not everyone who's physically circumcised has experienced this circumcision made without hands. And then verse 29 makes it clear. It says, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise, this one who's circumcised in this way, his praise is not from man, but from God. So in other words... The circumcision done without hands is done by Jesus. It's done to your heart. And it's done through the Spirit. In other words, what I'm trying to say is the mighty things that God did in the past, we can participate in that. We can participate in that exodus. We can participate into that entrance into the promised land. We can participate in receiving that inheritance. But only if we allow Jesus to circumcise us, to circumcise through, through His Spirit, to circumcise our hearts. You see, every other religion is, a, is all about stuff that you do outwardly, physically, in order to earn God's favor in order to become part of the in crowd. 
But Christianity is what Jesus does on the inside. It's not a religion in that sense. It's not a normal religion in that sense. It's something way different. Religion is something that man does. Christianity is something that God does. And that's why Jesus had such a problem with the Pharisees. Because they were these notorious externalists. And Jesus said, you know, you do all the right things on the outside, but inside you're like a, uh, you're like a whitewashed tomb, you know. You're like full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. And that kind of external religion does not please God, cannot please God, cannot allow you to partake in what God has done. I'm going to ask Peter to come forward uh, in a moment just to share a, a quick testimony with us. Um, you can come up so long, Pierre. Um, and, and part of the testimony includes his baptism. And the, the Lord has given us two ordinances. And, and while, while he's sharing, um, can I just ask um, Izan that we hand out the elements of the communion. We're going we're gonna to have communion together, which is our Passover memorial meal. <clears throat> and when you partake of that, we partake of the Exodus. We partake of the crossing of the Jordan. We partake of the salvation of God. We don't just remember it. We actually participate in it. In it. And it's the same with baptism, um, of which Pierre is going to share. The two ordinances that God has given us are not only symbols. They're not only symbols of the most important truths of the gospel. They are participatory symbols. They are symbols that allow us to participate in the most important things that God has done in the gospel. So, as you receive the elements of the communion, just, just keep them with you. Good evening, um, family and church. I just want to start off with a reminder which I read the other day. It says that life doesn't allow for us to go back and fi fix what we have done wrong in the past. But it does allow for us to live each day better than our last. Just to give you um, a very brief background. As you can see, I'm not 26, I'm now 56. For at least 30 years of my life, I had believed and followed that I was in charge, that I was supposed to fix everything that's wrong in my mind and in my deeds. In my early 20s, before I was um, married, I <clears throat> I was raped. Um, I had turned to alcoholism. I, I tried to commit suicide. I ended up in ICU, went to psychiatric units, subjected to electric shocks. Um, and six months ago, 
almost through the day. Today, my life was a mess, an absolute mess. My family was falling apart. I was falling apart. I was apart. And I couldn't fix it. For the first time, this man standing here came. And, um, and he said to me a couple of things. That firstly, that you have to learn to forgive. And at the same time, you have to learn to bless. I subsequently started reading the Bible from front to back. I'm not at the back yet, but getting there. And when the Saturday, the one Saturday, I'd read the part of Joseph in the Bible, the Sunday, Henny delivered the message of the four Ps of Joseph, being in the pit with Potiphar, then in the prison, and eventually with Pharaoh. My family did not reject me. They prayed for me. I, for the first time in my life, realized that this thing up here can't fix everything. No matter how well I had done in various um, positions that I held, I was not the grand man of all. The grand man of all is God, and I need to go and sit at his feet. I honor my wife, my son, my daughters, any, my small group family. But above all, I honor God. The 2nd of November, it was a Wednesday evening, and the Sunday I went to Henny and I said to him, I hadn't even discussed it with anybody else, I went to him and I said to him, I, God is telling me I need to get baptized, when is the next session? And he said to me, Wednesday night, arrange it with <laughs> Miranda. I went to Miranda and they all knew before my wife knew. That night, it, there was a terrible, it was, uh, we live out on the West Rand, just behind Northcliffe. It was a terrible electric storm. <laughs> it was thunder, it was lightning. I said to my wife before we went, I said, you know, when I grew up, my mother said to me, if it's lightning like this, you're not allowed to go into the swimming pool because you're going to die. She said to me, okay, maybe let's do it then after dinner. I said, no, they always used to say to us, you're not allowed to go into the pool with a full stomach because you're going to sink. <laughs> Later on in life, I only realized that it's because I wanted to have an afternoon nap. But that night when I was baptized, peace and calm, Lord brought peace and calm in the weather. About five minutes before we... I was to be baptized. The next day, I realized, because I wanted to write down a couple of things, and I realized that the 2nd of November was to the date five months ago, before that, that any saw me for the first time. 
um, said to me, I needed to forgive and I needed to bless. That's not coincidence. I believe that, as he said in this morning's message, but also tonight, God commands us to do what we cannot do for ourselves, but then he does it for us. But I needed to take that first step and get my feet wet and go and sit in Christ's tears and say to him, here I am, Lord. I've made a mess of things. I've made a mess of my life. You come. You take me. And you do what you want with me, not what Pierre Bienneke wants from himself. I want to leave you with two verses, if I may. The one has carried me in the last six months like you know, when previously I, previously I read the Bible, um, you know, I always, you read the, a verse and you say, okay, thank you, God, that's for me today. Or you say, no, thanks, God, that's not for me. Can I quickly get another one? <laughs> um, it, it doesn't work that way anymore. But I want to leave you with two verses. The one is from Genesis 18. It's um, where the Lord appears to Abraham and says to him that uh, Sarah is going to bear him a child. And Sarah actually bursts out laughing. And then the verse in Genesis 18 verse 14 says, Is anything too hard or too wonderful for the Lord when he is truly made Lord? And next two verses is from Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6. Lean on Trust in and be confident in the Lord, Lord, with all your heart and mind, and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge him, and he will direct and make straight and plain your path. What's happened to me and my family in the last six months not because of my doing. I honor a lot of people. But it's to God's doing. And the glory is to God. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pierre. Now, um, you guys just heard sort of the tip of the iceberg. You can imagine if for decades Pierre was caught in the grip of alcoholism and all kinds of bondage. And, and his family had to live with that. And it was, it was hard for them. It was hard for him. And, and, and he was this man, this self-made man who could uh, fix things, you know. And the tradition he received from his family is you fix things yourself. You just figure it out and you fix it. And, and he came to the point, by God's grace, where he realized this is something I cannot fix. I cannot fix myself. I cannot free myself from my bondage. I need a savior. I need someone to set me free. And it's amazing. It's six months now. And God has done it. God has delivered him from decades of alcoholism and all kinds of oppression. And, you know, I often stand, you know, I get the privilege of when I preach, not only preaching the word of the Lord, but seeing, sort of being the first one to see how the word of the Lord impacts people. And I can tell you, Pierre often sits there with tears in his eyes when I preach the word. Because all of a sudden, 
God had, through his grace, created in him what he commanded to him. God had set him free. And God had given him a love for his word. And he's someone, he's he's like someone that had been, had experienced a prison break. (laughs) And he was enjoying his freedom. (laughs) And you know, what he was doing was he was experiencing, he was participating in the deliverance of the Lord that so many generations before him had experienced and that so many generations after him will experience. Because the Lord who saved out of Egypt and the Lord who brought his people into the promised land is the same Lord who will do the same for us if we trust in him, if we only trust in him. Amen.